So hello everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we are looking at carbon capture in syngas-based projects. So this podcast is adapted from an article that appears in the May issue of Hydrocarbon Processing. Now, before we get started, we would like to thank our sponsor for this month of the main column podcast, and that's Honeywell UOP. So Honeywell UOP is transforming the way the world works through innovations in energy transition technology and process that helps organizations create a cleaner, productive, and profitable future. Over the last century, Honeywell UOP's engineers and chemists have shaped the refining, petrochemical, and gas processing industries by turning laboratory science into industrial reality. UOP processes produce the fuels that power our cars, trucks, jets, and trains. They make the natural gas that heats our homes and serves as a source of power generation. They are also shaping the energy transition with their full suite of ready-now solutions to help transform the environment, including sustainable aviation fuel, advanced plastics recycling, energy storage solutions, technologies to replace natural gas with hydrogen, and carbon capture offerings. You can find out more by visiting uop.honeywell.com. And now, on with the podcast. Now, recent legislation, such as the Low Carbon Fuel Standard and the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, provide financial incentives for projects generating power, transportation fuels, or other forms of energy to reduce their overall carbon emissions. The Carbon Intensity, or CI score, is the accepted measure of the effectiveness of carbon emissions reductions. In simple terms, the CI score of a project is the amount of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions per unit of energy. Because of these financial incentives, many projects are under development in the U.S. and in other parts of the world to produce green energy. These include the production of renewable diesel and jet fuel from soybean oil, corn oil, and animal tallow, and the generation of various energy products from non-fossil fuels, such as woody biomass or municipal solid waste. So many process technologies convert fossil fuels into various forms of energy. Gasification is a process that has been in practice for decades and generates a synthetic gas, or syngas, from any hydrocarbon-based feedstream. Syngas is primarily comprised of a mixture of carbon monoxide and hydrogen in varying ratios, and it can be used to make hydrogen fuel, methanol, gasoline, diesel, aviation fuel, and ammonia, among other energy products. This has typically been applied in parts of the world that are coal-rich and that do not have ready access to natural gas or liquid crude oil. While these projects have provided affordable energy products for decades, they are burdened with substantial amounts of CO2 emissions. Now, these same gasification-based technologies can be modified to accept renewable feeds in place of the more traditional fossil fuels. So these renewable feeds include woody biomass, agricultural waste, and municipal solid waste. If left to degrade naturally in forest or landfills, these feeds will generate a significant amount of methane. And like CO2, methane is a greenhouse gas. However, the greenhouse gas impacts of methane emissions are estimated to be approximately 80 times greater than CO2 over a 20-year period and about 30 times that of CO2 over a 100-year period. Converting these feeds to fuels, instead of allowing them to degrade into methane, reduces their CI score. These fuels are referred to as renewable fuels, and they have a much lower CI score than their fossil fuel counterparts. In the process of gasifying, or in other words, creating syngas from woody biomass or municipal solid waste, 
some amount of CO2 is produced. Now this CO2 can be removed from the syngas and vented to the atmosphere, or it can be captured. When the CO2 is captured, the CI score of the project can be significantly improved. Now carbon capture can also be used to improve the CI of the conversion of natural gas to hydrogen through steam methane reforming. And today, more than 95% of the world's hydrogen is produced using steam methane reforming without any carbon capture. In these projects, essentially 100% of the carbon in the natural gas is converted to CO2 and vented to the atmosphere. With the implementation of carbon capture on these technologies, approximately 60 to 65% of the carbon in the natural gas can then be captured. Now the technologies used to capture carbon from syngas in the form of CO2, they're very mature and they've been used for more than 50 years. And hundreds of gasifiers operating globally use these technologies to more or less clean up the produced gas by removing CO2 and hydrogen sulfide to generate syngas that meets the desired product requirements. In many cases to 2020, all CO2 captured in these projects was released into the atmosphere as there is really no financial incentive to sequester it. However, in today's market, there are several economic incentives along with environmental, social, and governance incentives for sequestering the CO2. Decisions based on incentives can either result in additional income streams or the generation of carbon credits that can be sold or traded. Now, while these additional factors are also important considerations when the CO2 will be sequestered, the same basic technologies can be employed for the capture step. In addition, some newer technologies are being developed and or optimized to improve the economics of the capture and sequestration combination. So let's first look at carbon capture technologies. So chemical solvent technologies have been used for decades to remove acid gases, including CO2 and hydrogen sulfide, in both syngas applications and refining applications. With a chemical solvent, the syngas is contacted with the solvent and a chemical reaction occurs between the solvent and the acid gas components in the syngas. This traps these species in the solvent and it results in clean syngas. The rich solvent containing the trapped acid gases is then regenerated by heating and decreasing the pressure to reverse the reaction and release the acid gases back into the gaseous stream. This process is very mature and it's well understood and has many applications and technology used in projects involving syngas worldwide. Chemical solvents include various forms of nitrogen-based compounds known as amines. The most common amine applied for the removal of CO2 from syngas is methyl diphenylamine or MDEA. Now producers of MDEA offer various versions of the solvent that can be contained promoters or other additives to improve the performance of the MDEA for specific applications. MDEA can achieve the deep removal of CO2, but it's less effective at selective removal of CO2. Now this can be a very important consideration if sulfur species are present, so such as hydrogen sulfide or carbonyl sulfide, COS, among others that could be within the syngas. Now, is there an alternative? Now, physical solvents can also be used to remove CO2 from syngas. These solvents rely on the physical absorption of the CO2 into the solvent. And these technologies are also widely used in the syngas and gasification industry. Because they rely on physical absorption, these solvents are more effective at elevated pressures. Now, like the chemical solvents, the syngas is contacted with physical solvent and the CO2 is absorbed into the solvent, resulting in a clean syngas stream. Now, the solvent can also be regenerated for reuse. 
Much of the acid gas can be released simply by the flashing of the solvent, which reduces the pressure. And this allows a portion of the CO2 to be released at elevated pressures, which can reduce the CO2 compression cost downstream. Now for full regeneration, the solvent pressure must be fully reduced and some steam stripping applied. In general, the amount of steam or energy required for regeneration is less for physical solvents than it is for chemical solvents. And due to the differing absorption affinities for different components, physical solvent streams can be configured to remove CO2 and hydrogen sulfide selectively, resulting in a fundamentally hydrogen sulfide-free CO2 stream. And many well-known physical solvents are being used in industry today. Now, cryogenic technologies are also mature and commercially proven technology used to capture CO2. However, cryogenic technologies are capital and operating cost intensive versus your solvent-based technologies. These cryogenic processes have been developed on a commercial scale and they're proven, mature, and dependable. In general, starting with a higher fraction of CO2 in the gas mixture is a favorable condition for cryogenic separation. The gas mixture is dried, compressed, cooled to exceptionally low temperatures, and then fractionated to separate out CO2 by using the difference in boiling points of the components. With projects that intend to use on-site CO2 injection into, let's say, a geologic formation, these technologies may be more economic depending upon other project requirements and criteria. Now, the following innovative technologies are in various stages of development. And while these technologies require further supporting data, along with pilot plant operating data for commercialization, they may be of interest in future projects as these technologies mature. So those include hydrophobic alkaester solvent technology, amine-promoted buffer salts, or APBS, aminosulfonic acid technologies, and solid sorbent technologies. Now, what should be considered when selecting a technology so carbon capture technology selection criteria, they can include multiple gasification technologies, multiple feedstocks, multiple end users for the syngas, and multiple sequestration or use option for the captured CO2. Now there's not really a simple answer as to which of the various carbon capture technologies is preferable for a given project. This is an important technology decision that has to be studied carefully in the early stages of the project's development. Now, the following are some key criteria that should be considered during this analysis. So let's look at the first one, which is feedstock and syngas sulfur content. Now the concentration of sulfur in the syngas, the total amount of sulfur in the syngas, and the sulfur species that might be present in the syngas can impact the CO2 capture technology selection. For example, larger amounts of sulfur may drive an economic preference for physical solvents over chemical solvents. Next is presence of heavy hydrocarbons in the syngas. Now the gasification of biomass and municipal solid waste can result in some level of heavy hydrocarbons in the syngas. Each unique gasification technology will have its own tar reduction technology or strategy that may result in varying amounts of heavier hydrocarbons remaining in the syngas. Physical solvents can absorb heavy hydrocarbons from the syngas. Next is final product requirements. Syngas can be converted into numerous end products, including hydrogen, methanol, ammonia, gasoline, aviation fuel, and natural gas. To achieve conversion to these final products, additional processing of the syngas is required to meet the key specifications 
for each downstream processing step. Some of these specifications include CO2 content, sulfur content, specific hydrogen to carbon monoxide ratios, and heavy hydrocarbon limits. The various steps required to achieve the desired syngas concentration at the outlet of the downstream processing unit may drive the selection of the CO2 capture technology. Next, operating pressure. Physical solvents are more effective as the pressure of the syngas increases. When the pressure drops below 400 to 500 PSIG in syngas applications, chemical solvents may provide a more economical solution. Next is abundance of low-level steam. Depending upon the other units in the facility, the plant may have either a shortage or an abundance of low-level steam. Chemical solvents require larger amounts of steam, and if adequate steam is unavailable without additional consumption of fuel, moving to a physical solvent that uses less steam may be worthwhile. Next is green power availability. Different technologies require various amounts of electricity, and if green power is unavailable, then additional power consumption must be generated with fossil fuels, and of course that can have a significant impact on the CI of a project. And now lastly, CO2 disposition. Many current projects plan to sell CO2 into existing pipeline networks, while other projects are investigating on-site CO2 injection wells. The disposition of the CO2 are going to drive requirements, so pressure and purity, that may influence the optimum CO2 capture technology. So now, taking the first step. Carbon capture projects no doubt are complex, but they are achievable. Understanding the regulatory landscape for credits, determining what factors to consider when evaluating technology licensors, and finalizing the selection of the appropriate technology are all essential to a successful carbon capture project. It's also very helpful if you can get an engineering, procurement, and construction partner with significant experience in various projects with or without carbon capture can help navigate these project requirements. And these kind of EPC firms help provide engineering services across the project lifecycle from early concept and investment studies to detailed engineering and final EPC phases. Again, we really want to thank you for listening to this latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. And of course, we want to thank our sponsor of The Main Column podcast, which is Honeywell UOP. You can find out more about Honeywell UOP by visiting uop.honeywell.com. Thanks for listening.